0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat alongside Adam McGuinness. Big trades are happening in the sport of baseball as we talk on this NBA trade deadline day. Uh, we have some more rumors with Chris Bryant, even though they're pretty much the same as they've been, a.k.a. not going anywhere. And we're just going to kind of wing it from here because... They're not giving us a lot of material to talk about outside of a few other rumors, which we will touch on. So stick with us. We will try to keep you entertained for the next forty-five minutes to an hour or so. Adam,
1: phenomenal.
0: Good to hear. All right. So the the one thing I wanted to talk about first, uh, not Cubs related, but maybe Cubs related, because it does kind of uh, give you it an sort idea. Sort of what, is. Yeah, it sort of is. It kind of relates, but we heard about the deal they have in place between the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Twins three-way trade that would send Mookie Betts and David Price and Cash to the Dodgers, Alex Verdugo and a prospect to the Red Sox, and Kent Maeda to the Minnesota Twins. And I know most people have probably seen this by now, but in case you don't know, The Jock Peterson deal with the Dodgers was technically separate, so that wasn't that. It was reported on the same night, but it was not technically part of that three-way deal. Uh, But yeah, big news. You have arguably the second best player in baseball being traded for financial reasons for the Red Sox, one of the richest teams in baseball. The Dodgers now have Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Seager. And Max Muncie, you could go on. I mean, they got to be the the favorites in the NL. I, if they weren't already, they really got to be now.
1: Yeah, it really it blows that the Cubs are going to have to face Mookie Betts. now. I mean that. I guess that's how it relates to the Cubs. Uh, I think the the Twins come out as kind of the underrated winner in this obviously Mookie Betts is the the that's a huge blockbuster one of the biggest blockbusters in a while but the twins the twins have been making a lot of moves to improve upon uh, the season they had last year Maeda I think is a sneaky good acquisition I think he's gonna be a lot better than he was last year
0: you think so too huh interesting
1: you're not buying it you're not you're not uh you're not on board (laughs) with Maeda I don't know. I, I I'm not. Don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying Kenta Maeda is going to be an ace or anything. I just think that that a pitcher like Maeda slots in really well with with the Twins and what they needed.
0: Well, they do need pitching. There's no doubt about that. I just don't know how much it it helps them. And I mean, they're trading away a very talented prospect, a very very talented one. Now yeah, we don't know ex- exactly t- how it's going to pan out in the long run, but.
1: The twins are in win now mode, though, so you know, th- I th- this is the time to let go of the prospects,
0: right? But I just is Kenta Maeda really going to help them?
1: I think he will. I, I think he will. I think the peripherals on Kenta Maeda look look better than the overall ERA, and so I, I I'm a believer. I I think there's potential for that to be a really good move, but okay. You know, As far as as prospects go, you know, I I don't blame the Twins at all. And that's just the way baseball is right now. You overpay.
0: Yeah, so the prospect we're talking about is uh, Bruce Gratterall. And I don't know if you saw that video on Twitter where he threw like a 101-mile-an-hour sinker. No,
1: did not see that.
0: Yeah, nasty, nasty stuff. Now, Alex Verdugo... Look, I don't think, in my opinion, you don't win a trade in which you trade away a superstar. The only thing I'll say is I think Alex Verdugo can be a can be a solid piece. It's not going to replace Smokey Betts. It's not. It's not going to come
1: close to replacing him. But well, I mean, when you're when you're talking about this trade, you one of the big factors is not just you know. How how you're swapping performances. I think a lot of this has to do with the money that Mookie Betts is gonna make. Right, but because you- he you know, he's he what I don't know what their initial offer to him was, but he countered with four hundred million dollars. And so really the the big part of that trade is the Red Sox not having to spend that kind of money in the future. I just what I don't
0: what gets me is if you're going to trade him, why not do it at the deadline when his value is probably higher and you know that you're going to be
1: selling? I agree I just, with I, the, I don't get it. I agree with that, but I, I also am sort of confused as to why the Red Sox traded him in the first place. I mean, I get the salary dump uh, or the, the the future salary dump, but it seems like the Red Sox should still be in a position to compete. I know they had a really rough year last year, and... There's some some controversies in the clubhouse right now too, but I still think that the the whole of that team is good enough to build around to to make a potential playoff push. Oh, this absolutely. Year. So, so if I if I was on the Red Sox, I would be uh, a little bit irritated that they just traded away their best hitter. I know we yeah. saw on social media that J.D. Martinez isn't happy. I wouldn't be no. either. I don't blame him. No, I, no, not at all. I mean, you look at the 2019 Red Sox.
0: Yeah, they really fell off. We knew that the year before they played at an unsustainable level, even more unsustainable than the 2016 Cubs. I mean, that was that was as crazy as it gets. How much of that was cheating? I don't know, but still, you have so many big names on this team. You still had Xander Bogarts. You had J.D. Martinez, as you mentioned. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, who I think is forming into a really nice ball player. Raphael Devers is up there too. And you have a rotation with Chris Sale. You had David Price. Now Rick Porcello really kinda of fell off and Chris Sale had his worst year of his career. But you're gonna give most of those guys the benefit of the doubt for bouncing back. Wouldn't you
1: agree? Yeah, I would. It's just kinda of unfortunate that this is the way it seems to go in baseball right now that I know. Uh, if you if you're having you have a good season uh, then you you sell the farm to acquire some help and if you're having a bad season you get rid of all of your good assets like, it just goes to the extreme both ways and and i i know that that's the era we're in and that's the way teams think they need to go to to win but there's really there's no longevity in that you're you're kind of mortgaging your future when you do that and i i would like to see more teams find some middle ground there where they don't completely sell or buy one way or the other. Cause I, I think it, it makes things kind of boring to be honest, because I hate going into seasons knowing which teams are going to suck.
0: Right. I mean, think about it. You're a Marlins fan or you're a pirates fan. Yeah. You're going every season knowing you're going to be bad.
1: Well, those two franchises are kind of in a league of their own right now. Honestly, like those those two organizations are giving a, a master class on how not to run a baseball team. <laughs> I think the Pirates are even worse right now, because if you look at the Marlins,
0: they're not going to be good, but they've added some really nice pieces where they won't be good, but they might be a bit more respectable, whereas the Pirates have done literally nothing other than trade Starling Marte. Other than the, that, they've done the absolutely Pirates. nothing.
1: Poor Pirates fans. I... I don't know what. Imagine being a Pirates fan right now. I, I can't even find the words. I should I mean li- being a Pirates fan the last 40 years. If I lived in Pittsburgh, I wouldn't be going to any games. I wouldn't be buying any merch. I would be fed up if I was a Pirates fan. It's, it's horrible the way they're doing things right now.
0: Well, you know what's funny is you and I are in our mid-20s, and that is enough time where you can say, okay, Since my childhood, I've lived to see more than a decade, well more than a decade now, at least going back with our memories. You could say we remember the past 15, 20 years or so. And as you watch sports over two decades, you see the fluctuation of teams being good and bad. And then you have your teams that are consistently good, like the Yankees, the Cardinals, and teams in other sports. And then you have those few teams that are always, always bad. And outside of like two seasons, it's been the Pirates. The, I yeah. remember the Pirates as a kid, as I do now. Just bad, bad team.
1: I just don't know what their, what their goal is. I mean, they never you, seem you, to have one. You look back at, at some of the, the significant moves that they've made the last few years, none of them have amounted to anything. None of them have actually turned into anything beneficial to that team. It's kind of like they're just treading water. They're just existing in this league. They're not really going for it at all. They're not trying to get anything significant in return. It, like I look, I look at this Pirates team, and I don't, I don't see how they make a, a serious playoff push anytime between now and, and five years from now. Like, how's it going to happen? It's almost like we're rewatching the Pirates hit
0: the reset button for like the fifth time in the past decade or so. You had 2013 through 2015 where they made the playoffs. In those years, they won 94 games in 13, 88 games in 14, and uh, made the wild card that first time, and then made the wild card the second time, 98 wins, and then the
1: Cubs kicked their butts
0: on their home turf.
1: I mean you you can when you watch any of their games you can see it how frustrated the fans are just by the lack of attendance in that stadium and that's that's one of the harder things to do when you're when you're a bad team uh, is finding a way to fill the stands even when times are tough look at a team like the royals the royals ever since their their uh, world series runs there those back to back world series appearances uh, they've been pretty bad, but they still have a pretty loyal fan base that that shows up to all the games. The Pirates can't say the same. The Marlins can't say the same. You have to give the fans some reason to show up, and the Pirates aren't doing that at all. No, not at all.
0: It's too bad because they're wasting a really beautiful ballpark out there in Pittsburgh. I'm looking at really their is. yeah. I'm looking at the Pirates season by season records. They've not won a division title since 1992 oof that was before any wild cards existed because all their playoff appearances since then those three i mentioned uh those were all wild cards and when you think
1: yeah that's terrible i mean that's that's just straight up embarrassing for them i mean look since 1993 The
0: Pittsburgh Pirates have a grand total of five playoff wins. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. No, sorry, wait. I miscounted that. Three. Three. That's... (laughs) That's... I miscounted that again. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't tell
1: me it's less than three. Oh, my God. two. Oh, my God.
0: That's right, because they lost the NLDS in five, so two, and then they lost those two wild cards. Two total postseason wins since 1993.
1: And people are getting paid millions to run the organization like that. hmm You or me could do that. I could. Yeah. I could lead the Pirates to no playoff victories in 20 years. I'm more than capable of doing that for half the salary of whoever their GM is. Yeah. Here's something interesting.
0: From two thousand to two thousand ten over that decade, their best season was two thousand three over that decade. They won seventy-five games that decade. Or that that year, that best year over that decade. They Yikes. won less than sixty-five. Let's see, one, two, three. Four times, and then the rest are like mid to high 60 wins, and then you had three 70 win seasons over a decade.
1: Yeah, Pittsburgh's got some things to figure out for sure. Like, that's they can't just let that, fans just can't let that fly forever. (laughs) No, no, they can't. They can't, anyway. Um,
0: back to what we were saying. We were talking about the Mookie Betts trade and whatnot, and Mm. I think one of the things that comes to mind when I think of a trade like this are the other times in history where big-name players in their primes were traded away because of financial reasons, and you're seeing the topic come up more and more than ever because if you look at the times in the past, it was an incredibly rare occasion. You know, when Babe Ruth was sold from the Red Sox to the Yankees, Back uh, before the 1920s in the late 19 teens, I think it was was it 1919 or 1920 It was one of those years when he was sold to the Yankees. That did not happen very often. That was you know, that was a famous story for many reasons, but you didn't see that kind of thing. Now you see Mookie Betts being traded away for that reason. You hear Nolan Arenado being thrown around in the rumors, and you're hearing Chris Bryant about that, too. Now, Chris Bryant is more than just money, though money is a big part of it. It's just it's becoming more and more of a thing where these prime star players are being traded away because of financial reasons. I mean, when I was growing up and when you were growing up, too, we remember big name players being traded away to dump salary usually when they were, like, old and past their prime. That's not the case right now with these names I just mentioned.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with teams are, are starting to recognize that giving players, these superstars, these mega contracts, it doesn't pay off in the long run. Maybe for the first year or two of that contract, it, everything works out. But after that point, you start to, you're, you're so financially hindered that i mean look at the cubs and, and jason hayward's contract really is not even anything compared to like what mookie betts is going to get what harper no. has gotten what trout has gotten those kind of contracts come back to bite you in a really severe way i think teams are finally starting to recognize how much that it cripples them down the road and they, so they're trying to avoid those now
0: you know it's interesting about the long-term deals that we're seeing Is that when they're being negotiated and when the rumors are coming out, especially with Manny and Bryce Harper, you know, before it used to be, oh, we don't want to give him that money because he's not worth it. Now people are looking at it as, well, we don't want to give him that money because we don't want to cripple the team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that's how some fans are. You know, that's how fans are kind of looking at it. Maybe that's how teams are looking at it. They're not looking at it as much of a value for a player type thing, but just the sheer fact that they want to keep their financial situation intact. And right, I think it's kind of silly at times because the Red Sox have billions of dollars. But you know, you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and you got the the luxury tax threshold to consider too. You don't want to you don't want to go over that too many years in a row, but but I mean, you have to weigh whether you whether or not you think it's worth it. I mean, do you really think it's worth it to have one superstar on your team? But by having that superstar, it means you can't have a very good bullpen. You don't have much depth around your, your superstar player. He's maybe your only really good bat on your team. Is it worth it to have to, the one superstar if it hinders the rest of your team? I'm not so sure. Well, I think the big fear that many teams have now, and
0: this really applies to the Cubs, this is where Chris Bryan comes in, is where the fear is when they become free agents— it, I don't think the team that had the player before feels like they had as much of the negotiating advantage as they did back maybe even just 10 years ago. The fear is, oh, if he goes to free agency, we're going to offer him a lot of money. Someone's going to offer him a lot more, and then we're going to lose him for nothing. I think that's where a lot of the fear comes in. They, that if yeah, they that's think,
1: definitely a lot of it.
0: If they think they don't have as much of a nego- negotiating advantage as they would like— they would trade away to at least say, well, we may not have re-signed him, but we got a ton of
1: prospects and assets for him. I mean, I, I feel that way sort of about Chris Bryant. I, what I would hate to see is, is Chris Bryant, he finishes out his contract here with the Cubs, becomes a free agent, and then signs elsewhere. And, I, and then I would just think to myself, man, the Cubs could have gotten a couple of really, really good prospects for him. Do we know that, though? Are, are teams
0: willing to really pay up for Chris Bryant? They should. I think they should be. They should be, but I don't think they will.
1: I think there's there's definitely there's some injury concerns with Chris Bryant. I, I would be scared about putting all my eggs in one basket with Chris Bryant. I mean, he's, as a player, he's worth that's, it. With the... That's why I think it's worth it for the Cubs to extend him, because the Cubs have a good core around Chris Bryant. If right. I'm another team looking at Chris Bryant... I, I would I would want to make sure that that you've actually got the depth to compete because I, you wouldn't want to be in a position where if Chris Bryant goes down you're screwed after that.
0: Right. I mean, if you extend Chris Bryant and he is here for the long haul, it, look you you know you pretty much know what you have in Chris Bryant. The only mystery is, yeah, you've had a few nagging injuries. Luckily, nothing serious yet. But you know the type of player he is, and that's a star player right there. Yeah. When you trade him away, you the return could be anything. It could be good, it could be bad. I mean, you gotta you gotta consider the other fear too, is that if you trade him away and what you get in return doesn't pan out, then you're gonna be saying, wow, we trade him away. We yeah. we gave him away. We could have extended him and not.
1: There, there's two spectrums to this whole fear. So let's let's say hypothetically, let's say Chris Bryant stays to the end of his contract. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you regret that? No. In any way? We're, we're, we're assuming, though, that he does not re-sign with the Cubs after he becomes a free agent. If they compete for a World Series
0: and they have shots at a World Series, even if they don't win, but if they're competitive enough where they're in the playoffs and they're within reach, then yeah, I'd say it was I, worth
1: it. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think the Cubs are in a position right now where they have to make every effort they can to win right now. And part of that equation is keeping Chris Bryant. There's trading Chris Bryant does this team absolutely no good in the immediate future, I believe. I
0: I agree. And think about it too. It's really hard to regret not getting prospects when you have no idea what these prospects are and no idea... Who these prospects could have been, you don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah you really. What, what Look is their two the regrets? Right. Look at the Marlins with Christian Yelich. Look how that ended up, and it's who's to say that that very same thing doesn't happen to the Cubs? Uh, but it, it, it is a it, it's a sticky situation for sure because I really truly am of the belief that Chris Bryant is not going to be a Cub long term. I, I don't. I don't either. I, I I'm I, with you. I don't think that he'll sign an extension. I, I 100% believe that he's not even close to considering an extension. I think he, he absolutely wants to be a free agent. And when he is, I think he's going to sign somewhere else. I believe that, but I'm, I'm still, I'm with you in that. I, I think it would be worth it for the Cubs to keep him until he's a free agent build around, continue to build around him, fill in the weak spots, Go for a championship this year and in 2021.
0: Right. I'm with you there. Now, here is another thing that I was thinking about this morning as I was driving to work listening to the radio because they mentioned the same thing, and I agree with them. They were mentioning how this spring training, going into the season, if Chris Bryan is still on your team, after all these months of the speculation and the rumors, they've been put in a position where it's going to be awkward. I mean, I mean, Chris Bryant is not going to let this whole thing get to him. I don't think on the field, right? but there's still going to be that cloud over the head where we think about all the trade rumors and the media is going to keep asking about it. They're going to keep asking him.
1: They're going to keep asking yeah. Rizzo. It's going to be endless and annoying. And I don't, I don't fault the Cubs though. I, I, I get from from the standpoint of the player how how you would feel if you knew your team was trying to shop you around all winter. Uh, but the flip side of that coin is that the Cubs have also tried multiple times to extend him. So it, it's it's not. He shouldn't feel totally unwanted by the Cubs. He really shouldn't. I- because they, they have they have tried to extend him multiple times.
0: I don't think that he's unwanted. I don't think that it's he feels unwanted or he necessarily feels bad. He feels I'm looking at Well, I'm sure I'm sure he does to an extent, but my whole thing is that I feel like this is more of a Cubs thing. Not Chris Bryant, the Cubs. They're like, Well, there's all these rumors, there's all these talks, uh, you know, it, if we try to trade him, you know, are we going to try to trade him soon and try our best to make a deal? Because if not, then it's going to kind of loom over our heads and Chris Bryant's heads. This is more from like a Cubs perspective. I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying. I I agree with you on that. I don't know if Chris Bryant is going to be.
0: Here's the thing, I could see either or. I think some people are a bit more prepared, maybe not prepared is the right word, but confident, not as in, Oh, I want this to happen, but just thinking it will happen. If they're betting people that Chris Bryant will be traded eventually, and it will be sooner than later where I'm really 50 50 on it. I think he has right now, if I'm talking right now, I think he has just as much of a chance of being traded as staying on the Cubs at least for the season, starting.
1: Yeah, I on that one, I, I really just I, I have no idea because we keep hearing different things all the time that you know multiple teams have checked in on Chris Bryant, but there doesn't actually seem to be any headway on any of these talks. It doesn't seem like they're actually going anywhere. Uh, so maybe back to your point earlier, maybe teams just aren't offering enough. Maybe the Cubs just don't think the returns are very enticing at the moment.
0: No. And I know there were people looking at the Mookie Betts deal and they were kind of afraid. It was like, Oh, well, uh, if that's what they got, what's Chris Bryant going to get?
1: Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I would put Mookie Betts ahead of Chris Bryant for sure.
0: Right. I think the, only thing that chris bryant right now has over uh mookie betts is the extra year of control but as a player let's face it mookie betts right now is a better player than chris bryant
1: yeah yeah well i mean you 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 don't really have the same consistency or injury concerns with mookie betts either
0: right right and i think with mookie betts is he's the personalities are a little different and I think that you've looked at where his peak is and where Chris Bryant's peak is. As dang good as Chris Bryant's peak is, you look at what Mookie Betts did a few years ago and you're like, holy smokes. I mean, that's like approaching Mike Trout
1: level. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm not sure it's worth it to take that on, honestly, in the long term no. anyway. Right. So we'll see what happens. I'm so sick of the rumors.
0: I'm so sick of the talks just going around in circles. Uh, It just gets tiring after a while. But we do have other rumors surrounding the Cubs. Nothing big. Nothing big at all. Um, Names that have been brought up. We talked about Scooter Jeanette. Now, kind of not surprisingly like I was kind of figuring this would happen at some point but Jason Kipnis has now been linked to the Cubs and look Jason Kipnis has had a really fine career the last few years though have seen a real dip yeah he would be he would stabilize the position no doubt but boy did the numbers take a dip
1: after 2015 yeah. One thing we know about the Cubs though is they they love themselves a good reclamation project. I mean they they have not shied away from from trying those over the last few years. And I you know I am kind of indifferent on the Jason Kipnis thing. I think he would serve as a as a good depth piece. I mean if they got him they wouldn't need him to be 2015 2016 jason kipnis and i don't think they would expect him to be i don't think anyone would expect him to be you know if, if he can just be sort of league average ish i i think he would make a a decent depth piece and that's about it yeah
0: i'm looking at his numbers right now just as batting numbers it's it's really weird like what happened I know he's he's had a little bit of injury problems and maybe that's
1: the source of it. It's just kind of weird to see. Well, you only I mean, put- some some players just hit a wall like that once they get up in their 30s. Yeah,
0: I mean combination of injuries and age it's yeah, it does happen. It's just he's such a talented ball player for a number of years only played 90 games in 2017, but you see 2018 147 230 315 389 the one thing you can look at jason kipnis at least consistently for a second baseman infielder you know he's he's got pretty good pop yeah. he doesn't have well, spectacular home run power but he'll hit in the the high teens that's that's
1: respectable that's, for yeah a that's second that's that's something and you know it's maybe worth considering uh that the possibility that a change of scenery makes a little bit of a difference i mean the indians the last couple of years have just been sort of stagnant i mean uh, they, I guess, were good enough to to make serious playoff pushes, but I don't think that anyone really ever seriously considered them a World Series threat. And and so maybe maybe coming back to his home state makes a difference. Maybe that gives him a little jolt of energy, gives gives him some momentum, revitalizes his career a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't he- close the door on that possibility.
0: Right, yeah, and I would I would never expect in prime Jason Kipnis, but I definitely think there would be room to believe that he could bounce back in a very nice fashion. I mean, like let's say let's say he kind of gave you his overall career average: two sixty one, three thirty three, four seventeen, OPS is seven fifty.
1: You know what? If you get him really nice and cheap, I'm I'm perfectly okay with something like that. I'm fine with it too, and I—if they did get him, it would be for cheap. I think this this move, this potential move, it all comes down to what your expectations are. If you're if you're going into this uh, expecting 2015 Kipness, you're going to be really disappointed. Uh, but if you get realistic, you realize that a depth guy who can hit 250 and and maybe 20 home runs—that's that's 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 got some value to it. I I would be on board with that.
0: You know what's interesting? He just opened up, it looks like, a Northbrook baseball training center in his hometown of Northbrook, in case you didn't hear that on the broadcasts or in the World Series plenty of times. But yes, he's from Northbrook, and he just opened up a center. Looks like last fall, sometime, so pretty recent. You know, maybe he wants to be around his new center here. I don't know. I yeah. I, I feel... I feel like this move has a very good chance of happening. I really do. Uh, so we'll see. But eh, I I wouldn't jump and be like, oh my goodness, World Series, here we come. But I certainly wouldn't mind the move.
1: I wouldn't either. I I don't see it as being any sort of a risky move. If they get him, it's going to be on the cheap. So what have what you really got to lose? Right. And you're really only stabilizing the position
0: for a short amount of time because Nico Horner is going to be the guy for the future. But, you know, I've said this many times before. I think right now, stabilizing with a veteran is a good move.
1: I agree. I think that team could use some more uh, veteran presence, to be honest. Because right now... Your options at
0: second, if we're not counting Horner, let's say for all intents and purposes, Nico Horner is going to be starting in the minors, which is what I think is going to happen. If that happens, your options are like Daniel Descalso, David Bodie, which I think David Bodie would be a decent option, but I just don't want him playing there every day. Uh If Hernan Perez makes the roster, which would only be for defense, he wouldn't be able to hit. Uh those are your main options, right there, because buys is going to be at short. He's not going to slide over to second unless you made a move for a shortstop, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look like they're going to. Uh, so I think Jason Kipnis would probably be the best veteran option if you did get him.
1: Yeah, I mean i, I would I would take I would take Kipnis. I would, I really would. I I don't see very many potential problems with that I, I guess i just don't know why so many people seem so wishy-washy on it i see it as as totally low risk i mean
0: look at the end of the day i was wishy-washy on it myself when i first you know heard about it uh, i mean this move hasn't even been made yet so anyway but i guess the more i thought about it is well you're not going to add much better you're not going to have money to add much better. So, you know, you might as well make moves like this instead of nothing yeah. at all.
1: If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's, it really doesn't matter.
0: I think even at minimum, he's probably going to give you more than Daniel Descalso at this point. Yeah,
1: yeah. I would I would 100% take Jason Kipnis over Daniel Descalso. Even though I, I do believe Descalso will be better than he was last year i agree because honestly it would be hard to be worse
0: well remember daniel Descalzo went off the rails when he was playing through that ankle injury there is no question in my mind that that ankle injury was the source of that
1: yeah i think so too but you know that you just look at his whole career and he's he's never been He's never been this bad. I that I no. just don't think that's not who he is as a player. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to continue being that bad. No, I mean next year. But the potential, I think there's more potential in Jason Kipness, especially well, yeah. the pop.
0: Yeah, I mean he's got more power than the scale. I mean the on base, frankly, the past few years from eighteen seventeen, I mean Daniel scalzo's OBP outside of last year has looked pretty solid. Um, I don't know if you're going to get that from Jason Kipnis, but you're going to get more well, power, so and probably think,
1: more solid contact. I think that's that's probably. I think that's where the uh, the wishy-washiness comes in the argument because I I think that the Cubs don't really lack power, and if no, that's they don't. if that's the biggest appeal of Jason Kipnis, then I think you could make the argument that that they don't really need him. Uh, because what the Cubs really need, if they're adding to their lineup, what they really need is a high-on-base guy. That's what they lack in that lineup. Not, They're not short on home run potential at all. No, so they need high-on-base contact. Some, yeah, adding someone who's who's most of his value comes in home run potential, that doesn't make a ton of sense. But if he's only a depth piece, then I'm fine with it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's kind of why you see some mixed feelings on Souza. Because we need an right. on-base contact guy. Sousa's the kind of guy, again, where it's like, well, his average ain't great, his OBP isn't yeah. spectacular. Yeah, But we, he had that one good season where he hit a bunch of home runs and had a good OBP that
1: one year. So Yeah, I said that on, on the last show, that I that the Cubs already have a bunch of Sousas, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. It's like, okay, it's a lot of home run hitting guys, and it's a lot of what-ifs.
1: Yeah. So many what ifs on this team. I know. I know it doesn't. It doesn't sound like, like this should be right, but if you look at the numbers, the past couple of seasons, Souza and Schwarber are actually kind of similar in what they produce. Right. I think
0: Schwarber will obviously be better, but you know, you, you want you want the type of guys that will be able to put the ball in play to
1: walk. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like like an Anthony Rizzo, like we've mentioned yeah. before, you don't yeah. have a lot of that.
1: Yeah, what they're really hurting for is, is high on base, low strikeout guys. Right, because even a lot of their high on base guys are strikeout guys. Like yeah. Chris Bryant's a strikeout yeah. guy. Oh yeah,
0: Kyle Schwarber's a strikeout guy. And then one of your contact guys that doesn't get on base, Salvador Mora, the contact is just choppers right to the shortstop, or at Jason, least that's how it's
1: been. About. Jason Hayward is a, a, a double play guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Though, I think Jason Hayward at least does enough to put, you know, to be yeah. at least
1: decently I, I think, productive. I think 2018 was was just unlucky with the double plays. Like, that was kind of... Oh, you mean, un- you mean 2016? Was it 2016? Yeah. There was a year after that, too, wasn't there? That he just hit into a ridiculous amount of double plays? Or was you're that just about, 2016? You're talking about
0: Jason Hayward, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, Jason
0: Hayward, by far his worst year was 2016, and uh, I don't really have the double play numbers, but um, you look at what he's done since, and you see much, much better than 2016. Yeah. Is where I'm getting at. No doubt. I mean, last year, last year, Hayward's numbers went down so much when Joe Madden moved him to the leadoff spot. And then when you saw him bat in other spots, he was crushing the ball. So you could have looked at last year, if if he had stayed in his natural position, you probably would have seen a season more like you saw him have in Atlanta, in his days in Atlanta.
1: I think so, yeah.
0: But even so, you look at last year – 772 OPS. That's the highest he's had since he was in St. Louis, the 343 on base highest in St. Louis. So, you know, overall, I think you got to love what you saw from Hayward last year. Um, you know, I, I still think he's a very solid player. You know, he's not living up to what the contract was, but he's done plenty. And I, I, I still think that Despite the money, a lot of the negative that goes towards Jason Hayward was that really bad 2016 season.
1: Yeah, well, and, and I mean, at this point in time, we're past we're past the point of expecting uh, 2015 Jason Hayward. Right. Uh, at this point, if he could just replicate 2019, uh, maybe maybe even add to that a little bit. That would be perfectly fine with me. If he could just do yeah. 2019 all over again, that's that's probably good enough. Right. I mean,
0: last year he eclipsed 20 homers for only the second time in his career. So, you yeah. know, right there. Yeah,
1: it, it had been since 2012 that he'd gone over 20 homers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a while. That is a while. Um. Anyway, we're probably going to cut this episode it's a little short adam i know you have some traveling to do i believe um so have fun with that we're at 40 minutes so i don't really have much else to talk about adam do you have anything you want to add before we sign off here
1: no i think we we covered the the very few things that there actually was to talk about tonight
0: yeah i agree a lot going so, on right now no we'll have spring training soon enough it's coming pretty fast
1: Sounds great.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening to our shorter episode of Climbing the Ivy tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Adam for coming on as usual. A reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. Also check out their Facebook and Twitter pages. Also check out the rest of this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.